All right. Uh, if you look in your jubel, uh, today you were given an annual report and a quarterly report. I'm just going to touch on that real briefly before I go into my message. All right, let's begin with our quarter report. Uh, we've produced these each quarter, starting with the second quarter. So this is the last, fourth and last quarter, uh, October, November, December. So you have all the figures and breakdowns of uh, how, we, how our church has been doing in terms of financial stewardship, what's been coming in, and also in terms of how we're uh, spending that money to the glory of our God. Um, so if you look on the quarter report, you'll notice in the month of November, we had about four times the amount that we had in October, okay? Uh, that's because we had a, uh, that one crazy uh, $1,000 seed offering Sunday. Um, I think there are some people that would like to have that more often, but it's got to be a move of the Holy Spirit, right? Um, but that is the reason why that number was so high in the month of November. Um, so, yeah, with that, it really helps out for the whole year. And so uh, that's the breakdown. You guys can look that over. Um, attendance and attendance figures uh, should have been printed on here, but uh, they're, they're available on our Google document. So if you look online, uh, I sometimes send it out on our group emails. At the end of the email, there's a link. And if you click on that link, it's an Excel document that you can view online through a web page. And that has all our attendance figures, uh, our, our offering figures, and our upcoming speakers and stuff like that. So you know, you're always welcome to check that out. That's a public uh, document. Now, if you go to our annual report, Okay, so this kind of gives you an overview of the entire year. Now, we got to keep in mind that uh, we, did, we started doing all this financial transparency stuff starting around April. Uh, we didn't have this, any of this before. So uh, the staff, we had to work with the numbers that we had up until March. And then when we took over around April, May, we tried to produce uh, accurate numbers from there. But before that, it was a little bit uh, cloudy, so we used our best discretion to... Uh, come up with some figures that uh, were appropriate. Now, if you look at the uh, annual report, the revenue for our church was come in for the whole year. Total was, uh, uh, how do you say that? 170 million one. Okay. 170 million one. So dollar, dollar equivalent, dollar channel equivalent will be $170,000. Uh, now, if you look at the breakdown, how that came in was through tithes and offerings, and 63% of that were tithes. Now, there's two ways to look at this. You can, one, look at it as our church is giving an unusually high amount of offering um, because, our, I mean, we're giving about, I mean, over half of that amount has come in through offerings, $63 million. Uh, you can look at it that way, that our church is giving a lot of offering, or you can look at it the other way, where our church is not tithing that much. Okay? Now, if you do the numbers, I just did the number real quick. Uh, total tithes for the year was about $107 million, 
If you divide that by eight, I mean by 80, which is about the average attendance we had in the uh, in the past year, uh, that equals about 1.34 million won. 1.34 million won. Now, if that's your tithe, that means you're making about 13.4 million won a year. Okay. Now, I know y'all is not making that little. Okay. Now, there's also some people who make a lot more, and they tithe faithfully, which means there's a good large amount of the uh, church that's not tithing. Now, I don't think uh, I'm, we're not aiming or we're not hoping to see the ideal of 100% of the people at this church tithing. But, like I emphasized before, we do, uh, want to, we do expect the leadership of this church to tithe faithfully. Okay? And your tithe should ought to go to the place where you're getting fed the most, where you find your community. Because you know what? You come to this service every Sunday. You're a leader at this church. The opportunities are given here for you to go on missions, for you to sit there and have heat. I mean, for you to sit in the summer and have AC, all these things. I mean, we got to pay for it. You know what I mean? So wherever you're getting fed the most, that's where your tithe naturally should go. All right? So uh, we do want to encourage more people to step up and uh, tithe faithfully. I think the real average income is not 13.4 million, but if I had to estimate average Hagwon salary, plus some of y'all who are making a lot more money than that, if you had to average that out, you're probably making about 28 million to 30 million one average in here. Right? Am I right? Come on. Your Hagwons ain't paying you? They're paying you less than that? That's terrible. Now, I know y'all make more than that. So, uh, anyway, if you do about 28 million won. Anyway, let's up the tithing next year, brothers and sisters, especially the leadership. Uh, if you have never tithed before, we want to invite you into that blessing. It's not God taking things from you. If you start tithing, especially from the gross amount, you start tithing, God promises in the book of Malachi, test me in this. The only place where God says test me and see if I want to throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing you will not have room enough for it. He will rebuke the devourer for you. And so tithing is not uh, really an option. Uh, it's really a command of the Lord. And so in the book of Malachi, God says, you are robbing me. And when the people say, how are we robbing you? God says, by tithes and offerings. Okay, so we do want to continue to encourage the church. Uh, we believe that uh, as God does bigger and bigger things through this church, uh, that's also going to require uh, bigger and bigger amounts of money. Amen? I mean, there's no other way around it. I mean, you know, hallelujah. We need money. Go on this trip, we need money. There's a lot of people who go on missions. How many of y'all who go on missions need money? Make some noise. Okay, that, those are some broke people. Okay, they only have like $200 in their account, $200,000. All right. If you, if you were planning to send your support, send it right now. Because if they don't get uh, enough money by the 21st, which is this Wednesday, right? If they don't get enough money by this Wednesday, they will be considered uh, to be dropped for the team. Okay, so they need to bring in uh, a considerable amount of money by the 21st, if not the full amount. So we want to continue to encourage everybody. The rummage sale, the Mario Kart tournament, uh, like I said before, uh, it's going to bring in some money, but you divide that by uh, 23, right? 23 people. Uh, each person is getting like, I don't know, like Oman on each, like 50,000, 70,000 won each from the, from the event. 
So that's why we want to encourage more the individual support raising. So uh, we want to encourage that. Uh, but brothers and sisters, hallelujah, that is a brand new level because before 2008, our church was averaging about uh, uh, 100 million won a year. So for us to go to 170 million won uh, is uh, a work of God. And it really is uh, showing forth the maturity and, and growth of the church here. Um, I said that we doubled, okay? Now, we did double. What we are not including in this report is the missions giving of our church. So every month, people have been giving toward missions as well. And so what we mean by that is when you individually give toward missions, uh, that, goes, that doesn't go into this uh, report. Okay, so that total was about 30 million one. So with that, both our yearly giving was double uh, at 200 million one for the year. That's a lot for a small church like this. You know, I talk to other pastors, and, uh, and they ask me these questions, and I tell them these numbers. They go, wow, your church is really being good stewards. And like I said, there's two ways to look at it, right? And I say, well, you might look at it that way, but I, I don't. I know God's calling us to a higher standard. God's calling us to live at a higher place of blessing. All right, so God calls us to be blessed to be a blessing. So I want to continue to encourage you guys uh, to really even give more than you have been giving. So that uh, you may be blessed in return. Because you can never outgive God. Amen. Uh, now on the expenses side. Um, uh, if you look at the head pastor line. That's Pastor Sam had a salary. Uh, that ended in April. But we doubled it in April. So that's kind of like his um, severance pay. So that's the total amount. Uh, pastor Josephine uh, was with us for throughout the year until August. And if you uh, know about her, uh, this uh, two months ago, she was offered a full-time position at a Christian organization. Uh, so she's getting salary there, and, and that's an open door. That's a new thing that God did in her life. And so uh, she's not on salary with us anymore. Assistant Pastor Cry Brian, he's also uh, not, uh, he stepped down as a pastor here. So uh, that number reflects um, the months where he was a pastor. We gave him that money as a salary. But the uh, remainder of the year, we continue to actually give him the same amount, but that's as more as a missionary, as a music minister of the gospel. And so we continue to believe and trust and support him in that vision to take uh, worship to the nations. So that's the amount that you see there. And if you look down to the missions support, you'll see his name there. And, th- and that's for the full amount. It'll be $12 million for the year. Uh, Mina Choi. Uh, she started around April. Uh, she got a little bit of a raise. We thought she was doing a decent job, so we thought we'd give her a little bit of a raise. Okay. Uh, now, uh, we support her as, as a part-time. We pay her as a part-time administrator. But uh, I believe that if our church, if, hallelujah, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. As our church grows, uh, as our church grows, we're going to need actually full-time administrator. Not even administrator, but administrators. Uh, so as our church grows, you, you see other churches, you st- study their story, and as their church grew, you know, more personnel had to be brought in, full-time salaried people. So those kinds of doors may open for some of you in here. So just as it opened for Mina, uh, you know, Mina may be called by God to go full-time, or, or, or she may be called somewhere else, and some, God may raise up some of you to be full-time. But nevertheless, I believe as our church grows, we're going to need a bigger budget for the uh, church staff salaries. Um, hallelujah. All right. And that was 29% of our giving. Go down. Uh, continuing education and training. That's about 8% uh, 
of our budget is going toward that. A lot of churches, um, they invest in the education and continuing growth of their pastors. So that's what this fund is all about. It pays for uh, my torch classes that I take. I don't even take that much, but that's what it covers. Uh, my books when I need to buy them. Uh, just to be fair, I'm not just buying books and just like selling them on Amazon or, or e- eBay or something. Right? I'm not doing that. Okay, I've been trying to keep a clear conscience before the Lord. So I'm trying to buy books as much as I can read and uh, as much as I need to reference. That's what the book allowance for the lead pastor is for. We also have a book allowance for the staff. That includes uh, interim pastors, administrator, and um, and our Samonim. Okay. Uh, well, actually, Samonim gets our, my lead pastor. She just shares my budget. But that's kind of the benefit of being on staff. Uh, you get to uh, have your books bought for you by the church. Okay, now, they have to keep clear conscience. They can't just be buying like all, a whole bunch of books they don't need. All right. But uh, ho- hallelujah, God will bless them as they continue to read up. And then the ROTC tuition is the amount that uh, covers. Um, is that right? What, why is that in there? We didn't pay that out, did we? Okay, all right, well, talk to me about that later. All right, so this is not a budget. Remember, this is an expense report. There's a difference. Uh, we have a budget report, but we're, not, we're only making that available to leaders right now. Um, but the budget report reflects how much we expect to spend in 2009. This is how much we actually spent in 2008. So it doesn't give you an actual good figure about how much we're expecting to spend in 2009. Okay, everybody with me? Uh, leaders, you need to particularly pay attention. Okay, please. All right, this is important. This is part of the community of life at our church. If we can't be faithful with managing these funds and we, we are apathetic toward the use of these funds, we're not being faithful stewards at this church. As much as God calls you to be a faithful steward of your time and of your talents, he also uh, is expecting faithful use of money. Amen? Jesus said, uh, if you can't be faithful with earthly mammon, earthly money, how can you be entrusted with heavenly uh, riches, you know, and so God expects us to be faithful with these things. So leaders, please pay particular attention. Uh, if you look at our missions giving for the year, it was about 21%. We're actually upping that for the new year. Uh, our budget for that will be about 30%. So uh, we're going to continue to uh, be a church that gives toward the missions field and toward missionaries. Uh, so uh, let us, uh, if any, I, I like the philosophy of some pastors out there. The last place that they tighten the budget is the missions. All right. That should, that, I'm, I'm a missionary, so I know. I'm, I have a church that supports me $1,000 a month back in the States. I mean, I'm able to be your pastor because their support. And that's a small little church. They only have about 30, 40 people. And they support me faithfully each month for the last five years. Okay. That's the kind of giving that allows kingdom work like this to advance. Now, now uh, I like their philosophy. The last place that they tighten is the missions giving. Uh, a lot of other churches, when they have financial hardship, they're gonna, the first thing that goes is the missionary support. Okay, that's not right. I don't think that's right, and I hope that we can keep that philosophy here. All right, and uh, hallelujah. Uh, love offering, one-time missions giving. Numbers kind of skewed because of the ERISA giving. Um, uh, that fund, uh, just a report on that. I met with Alex this past week, the um, one who's managing those funds. Uh, he, he said that uh, he actually got in way more money to support all four amount of churches. So he wanted to give back our matching fund. So our church gave about 11 point, uh, 11 point, 
11.2 million won, right? We gave that. On one Sunday, we gave 11.2 million won. And then our, I, I was expecting us to give like 2.4 or something and match it, right? But we, since we gave so much, but then we already told you guys that we were going to match it. So we, even though it hurt our budget, we matched it 11.2. And we sent him like 24.4 or 22.4. And he's like, what? What are you giving me all this money? What am I going to do with all this? And now he's a very faithful steward. And he was in the consulting business world. And, and Alex is very professional. He has all the... Uh, documents ready. So he let us know that he thought a good way to spend that funds is to, uh, on a future India mission trips that we take, that we, if we, uh, we are, uh, we could plan on going to Orissa. Okay, so hopefully we can get a permit for Manipur. Hopefully we'll get that this year. And in the summer or next winter, we'll see a permit go for us to go to Orissa. And then we'll take that matching fund, 11.2 million won, and then we'll take it and give it as love offerings as we see accordingly, but it needs to be direct cost, not to cover our airline tickets, but as direct cost that will help build the churches in Arisa. So I said, oh, that sounds like a fantastic idea. Uh, he said, sign on the paper. I didn't even look at it. I just signed it. All right. And I, I did look at it. All right. Uh, I went to business school. I don't do that. Okay. Um, so that's how that fund is going to be used. So uh, 5-2 Foundation, that nonprofit organization that Alex is heading, he's going to hold on to the money. And then when we're ready to go on missions, we show him an itinerary and permits that we're going to Orissa. He'll release that fund to us, and we'll take it with us to Orissa. And churches we visit, we'll try to give little by little. If you give too much, uh, there's a tendency in third world countries to, uh, to not be faithful with the use of those funds. So we, w- we don't want to give that temptation. Right? So we want to just distribute those funds. So I think we made enough. Uh, we gave enough to support like six. We built six or seven churches. I forget the number. So uh, we'll get that report later on as Alex gets updates about how the money is being used. So he's very meticulous. So, you know, we'll be seeing some good reports from that. So uh, that's our love offering, one-time missions giving under that category. Uh, GSM office costs, uh, auto expenses, Sunday expenses. And then if you look on the back, uh, we're going to try to up the discipleship budget a little bit as we continue to see what needs to be uh, put toward that. And then our miscellaneous expenses. All right? So if you want to see the details, just look on your um, quarter report. All, all three quarter reports will have, uh, it should have the exact figures to the, to the last the peg one, at least to the peg one. All right? It should be accurate about how we're spending these funds. Okay? And um, hallelujah. That will conclude whew, our annual report. Our JSCM, let's uh, give all glory to God for... The financial stewardship at this church. All right, hallelujah. Let's keep that as part of the message. That's as part of our church, so we'll keep that. All right, turn with me in your Bible to Luke chapter 5. See, when I'm doing this report, I look out, I see all the adults. They're like, mm-hmm, yeah, tell me more. Okay, and then I see some of the, the younger brothers and sisters, and they're just like, oh, get on with the message. I want to hear the message. All right, well, hallelujah. Well, you need to have both here, all right? We're trying to be faithful here. Be patient. You'll learn to like it later. All right, Luke chapter 5, uh, the passage, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Hallelujah. 
Okay, no, it's chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Now, I'm not sure what happened, but if chapter 7 spoke to you, then God bless it. Okay, but my message is based on Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. I'll be laying down the hammer at this Wednesday staff meeting. All right, let's just say that. All right, verses 1 through 11. Everybody will be responsible. Everybody will have an answer for me. Okay, I'm just kidding. I'm not that hard. Come on. <laughs> Marcus naturally will get the boot because he's the man. He's the only brother there. All right, Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. Uh, please, uh, I'll read one verse. You read the second verse. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Genesaret. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and talked to people from the boat. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Amen. Since I preached on the first Sunday of 2009 that this year will be the year of open doors, you know, God's been confirming that word over and over again. You know, well into the year, I can tell if something is truly prophetic or not. Because God will start to confirm it. He'll speak to me about it over and again. And since I preached that message a few weeks ago, God's been opening up doors for people already. So I'm hearing a story here. I'm hearing a story there. There's a potential door coming up here that they didn't even think about. Uh, God's opened up doors for people. Doors to new jobs, to new relationships, etc. It's an exciting time for our church. Amen? Amen. And since I preached that message... All right, for people who are at Sunday Swim, the Lord finally opened up the door for Andres Pisoni to come to Korea. All right. Uh, he'll be coming May 15th through the 17th. Uh, we contacted him last year at the beginning when um, I took over as the pastor. And I contacted him, tried to get him in September, and God closed the door. Tried to get him in December, God closed the door. God, we tried to get him in February, God closed the door. But the moment 2009 hit, right, Andres Bissoni said, tell me a date, I'm there. Okay, I just sent him one date. He said, oh, I can't do that one. <clears throat> sent him a second date. He's like, I'm there. All right. And so he's been sending out his newsletter. And in the newsletter, he's saying that in the next few months, I'll be going to Japan and China and Korea and put Korea in there. Because he, he, God's been speaking to him about going to Korea. Now, if you know, Korea doesn't have many healing evangelists come through here. Like, we never have a Benny Hinn crusade here. We don't see many healing evangelists come. 
So this is a really exciting time. This is an open door that God is opening up. And I believe that a lot of healing miracles are going to take place when he comes. I mean, it just takes place wherever he goes. All right. You see videos of him on his website. If you want to um, just YouTube his name, Andres Bisoni. If you can't spell, just go to his website, abm.cc. That's the website, abm.cc. He has a lot of videos up. All right. Amazing signs and wonders when you see this guy. Okay. He's been to Cuba this past year. Who would think that a revival, a Holy Spirit revival and healings will take place in Cuba? But you see the videos. All right, he goes to, he went to uh, Romania. He's been to Israel a couple months ago. And he showed a video footage of Arabs and Jews dancing together who just got saved. All right, I mean, this guy, God's spirit is really upon him in a powerful way. And I believe he's the face of a new generation uh, um, of people that are taking the mantle of the former generation of healing revivalists. And they're getting a double portion of that. So there's a powerful anointing on him. He won't even have to touch you. All right, you, you just come up and get prayed for. Sometimes he'll just he'll just go like this over the crowd, and just like tons of people just start falling over on the power of God. And they just on the on the and some people fall over and they just like kind of get back up, right? Now these people they fall over and they're just like shaking and flopping like fish. As the power can start coming out, you've never seen anything like it. I encourage you watch all the videos. Get used to it because these are signs and wonders that the early book of Acts recorded. All right, when they, when they said signs and wonders, people don't think about what that really meant. Okay, believe me, it was things that took your attention away. All right, and so I mean, these are things, hallelujah, that God's opening up for our church this year, and we're excited to see that. And uh, one door that we want to knock on <clears throat> with increased intensity in 2009 as a church is the door for the gospel to be preached. Colossians 4.3 Pray for us that God may open a door for our message that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Hallelujah. That ought to be our prayer, brothers and sisters. That ought to be priority door that we knock on when we pray this year. God, open up a door for the gospel to be proclaimed. For the mystery of Christ. To be proclaimed. And that's what today's message is all about. Today's word is very simple. It's four words. Let down your nets. Hallelujah. In our passage today, when Jesus approached Peter's boat, he was led by the Holy Spirit. You see, after Jesus' water baptism, the Spirit of God anointed him. Anointed Jesus, Christos, which means anointed one. And that's when Jesus began his public ministry, when the Spirit of the Lord anointed him. And, and he went into a temple and, and said that Isaiah 61 is fulfilled in your hearing because he was carrying that anointing. So everything that Jesus does from this point on, all right, he does as he is dependent and led by the Spirit of God, as you and I ought to do. Amen? See, Jesus begins his public ministry, and, he, and he's showing us how we ought to do it, how we ought to minister. we got to be led and dependent on the Holy Spirit. And you think, well, Jesus is the Son of God. He didn't have to do that. Oh, yes, he did. Because he's 100% man, and he's also 100% God. And there are attributes of his humanity in which God required of him to depend on the Holy Spirit. Now, some people even say that Jesus didn't know which Sabbath uh, which uh, Passover that he will be crucified on. 
right? So every, you know, he, had to, he had to have two Passovers in his public ministry before he got crucified, right? So it's like, when did he know he was supposed to be crucified? Well, he had to depend on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit showed him, little by little, what the next steps were, which town to go to. Okay? And that's exactly how we ought to operate. We need to be led by the Spirit. Amen? And by the Spirit of God, Jesus tells Peter, let down your nets. Let down your nets. Now look at verse 5. Look at Peter's response. He says, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. I just washed my nets. Hey, let's call it a day and try this tomorrow. Okay. Now Peter doesn't say that. That's what sounds like he would say. But because, you know, he's done with his day. He's toiled all night. Now you would think he he wouldn't want to uh, obey what Jesus says here. But Peter instead says, But at your word, I will let down the nets. At the moment Peter and his crew, they do this, the Bible says that such a large number of fish got caught that their nets began to break. Hallelujah. Now those are a lot of fish, or those are some cheap nets. Now, Peter, in verse 7, he signals to his partners in another boat to come and help. Right? He's just like, he's just like, Jesus, this is enough. He doesn't do that. He's like, I want more. Tells the partners come over and they fill both the boats. And they don't just fill the nets. They fill the boats. And the boats begin to sink. I mean, talk about going over. Uh, in Korea, we have that word, oba. Ah, no, oba, yeah, S&M. Now, for Peter, the miracle was fish. But perhaps for you, it's something else. A new job. A new ministry opportunity. A business transaction. A new investment. You tried over and over again and came up with nothing, but perhaps Jesus is telling you today, let down your nets. Perhaps God is saying, I know it didn't work before, but try again right now. You know, some people have tried to do something over and over again, and they may have gotten little to no results. And you may feel like you're tired of wasting your time or money. You've you're tired of, you've gone out on a dozen blind dates. You've auditioned for American Idol five times with no callbacks. I don't know, right? Well, some people, hallelujah, this applies to them in here. Or you lost too much money in the stock market. I'm telling you, if the Spirit of God prompts you, let down your nets, it's probably a good idea to try it. There's no better life in the world than a life with God's fingerprints all over it. You see, who wants to live a life where one plus one equals two? See, I got one plus God's favor equals 200. Hallelujah. It's that law of sowing and reaping. When you sow into faith, you reap a hundredfold harvest. 
And if you want to live this kind of life, brothers and sisters, you got to live a life of faith. Not just faithfulness, but a life full of faith. You got to be surrendered, listening to his promptings and ready to obey. And when the master tells you, let down your nets, you do it. When he tells you to fill up the jars, you do it. When he tells you to lay hands on the sick, you do it. Even if you risk looking the fool, take advice, brothers and sisters, just do it. Hallelujah. Because you're closer to your miracle than you, than you know. Faith releases the miraculous. Faith mirac- releases the miraculous. And sometimes, you know, God, God will just, you know, I don't know. I think God has a sense of humor. He'll test us. Remember last week's message on testing, right? He'll just, he'll be like, hey, uh, yeah, I want to test your faith. Hey, do this. And you do it. And it's got, you don't got nothing to do anything. You don't see no miracle. You're just like, what? Look, I, I just look like a fool. You know? I thought you were going to, I thought you were going to like heal that dude over there. And I just, I just ended up looking like a fool. I just like ended up going to that. You said that person, or I thought you said that person spoke English. I went up and tried to evangelize the person. This person didn't even speak English. I, and God tests you. And sometimes God look down and just be like, oh man, I'm young one doing a good job. You know? She passed that test. I'll give her another test of faith. I passed that test. I, really, I need her to release more faith. I need to see more faith from her. I got to see how bold will she be. Because when, when, when she starts doing miracles like raising the dead, oh, there's no time for hesitation. You need to be at a different level of faith. So she's going to build, build, build you up, but sometimes you're going to look like a fool through some of those tests of faith. But hallelujah, brothers and sisters, the more faith you release, the more faith you will grow. And the more faith is released, hallelujah, the more the miraculous. Faith releases the miraculous. Now, I'm going to... Let's go back to the miracle here in the text, right? Now, if I saw Jesus perform this miracle, I'd be like, Master, That was my favorite net. No, no, I want to say that. I'll be like, Master, can you teach me how to do that? All right? He'll be a very rich man if he, if he can do that every week. All right? But look at, look at Peter's response. Very different. Verse 8. Weird. Very weird. Peter Simon saw it. What did he do? He fell face down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. What? Peter, you just toyed all night. You got no fish, but you just got uh, two boatloads of fish now. Well, you want to go sell them? You're going to be a rich man. You're going to be eating fish for like three months. <laughs> but Peter responds in a very odd way. He says, depart from me, Lord. Ah! I am a sinful man. And Jesus didn't say, Hey, I know what you did with that woman last week. I didn't do that. Jesus just did a, did a miracle. Just did a miracle. And, and Peter responds in this way. You see, brothers and sisters, when miraculous signs are performed, God manifests his presence and power so powerfully, and people sense the holiness of God so suddenly that men begin to repent. 
And you might have seen this at a, at a revival or a crusade. I mean, it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. This is why signs and wonders and miracles are so effective in the preaching of the gospel. It leads men to repentance. I mean, you can talk to men about the need to repent and the command to repent until they're blue in the face. But a man will never repent. But how do they show him a sign and a wonder? And they're on their face. The manifestations of God's presence and power are not to be observed for display. But rather, they are a sudden revelation of the power, holiness, and fear of God. And it's not a gradual education that you might get from a book. But it's a sudden revelation. And it startles the senses. And it tilts our logic. That the only appropriate response is repentance. This is what happened when Elijah called down fire from heaven on the altar. All these hardened Israelites, they were turning to idols. And they showed up, and nobody was probably rooting for Elijah. They were all rooting for the prophets of Baal. Because those are the idols that they were worshiping. And hallelujah, the fire of God just falls on that altar. Like a big old comet just coming out of the sky. Whoosh! consumes everything and then the bible says the, the moment that happened the people who were backslidden in idolatry they quickly fell prostrate fell face down just like peter here face down on the ground and they cried out the lord he is god you see you don't even need to hear a repentance prayer from people like that that is their repentance prayer uh, if my my daddy came in in this in this place and and hallelujah, I said, Andres Bissoni was here and he's just praying for people and there's people falling on the power of God. And somehow that, that really just brought a sudden revelation and tilted the logic of my father. And suddenly he got a revelation of God's holiness and the fear of God and everything at the same time. He's just like, ah! He's, only thing he can do is repent. If all he said was, Jesus is the Lord, that would be his repentance prayer. Hallelujah. That's what happened with, with, with the prophets Baal and Elijah and the, and the people there. And but as we go on the missions field, this is what we hope to see. Right? First Corinthians chapter 2 says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom or men's cleverness, but on God's power. See, the early church understood this. Today's church, we've lost this. And man, let, me, let me tell you, I've been to India, I've been to the Philippines. Especially when you go to the poor there. Right? They will not be one bit impressed if I say, I graduated from NYU. I, or if I had a doctorate in, in, in ministry, if I, if I have a doctorate. They would not care. They don't really care. They really don't. You can come with all these wise and persuasive words. It will not impress them one bit. But they will respond if they see the manifest presence and power of God. I mean, it just jolts you up. It's not natural. It's supernatural. And they will fall down and repent just as Peter did. That's why, brothers and sisters, as we send out these two teams, you know, we got to pray. God, manifest your power through them. When they pray for people, we don't want just people to get like gradually healed over a month. Oh, yeah, God answered your prayer. A month after you left, I got better. 
But actually, I was taking this medication anyway. So it could have been the medication or your prayer. But hallelujah, let's just give all glory to God anyway. Man, come on. We're talking about signs and wonders. Like right there, bam, they fall into the power of God. They start shaking on the ground. Hour later, they get up and they're like, pain's gone. I'm like, what? The pain's gone. Hey, everybody, the pain is gone. This lady had a pain for two years. It's gone. Hallelujah, give glory to Jesus. And people in the back, ah! Jesus, Lord, Jesus, Lord. And people just start repenting. That's exactly what happens. You go to Africa, Reinhard Bonnke, you go to Reinhard Bonnke crusade, that's exactly what happens. You go to America, Ronnie Howard Brown crusade, that's exactly what happens. The signs and wonders, people just start repenting. That's what we see here between Jesus and Peter. Now, in verse 10, Jesus tells Peter, you know, after Peter's all messed up, Jesus says, from now, from now on, you will be catching men. Okay, that didn't sound right. All right, perhaps some of the sisters got really excited about that. Woo, yeah, got to catch some men. It's a raining man. Hallelujah, it's a raining man. Now, hallelujah, now. Now, we all know what Jesus meant, right? Okay. Now, R-E-M is sending a team to India, one team to the Philippines next week, uh, because Jesus is calling us to let down your nets. That's what we're doing. We're going out there. We're letting down nets. And not only the missions teams, but I believe that God is calling our church at this hour to let down your nets. See, we, we, at Sunday Swim, you had three confirmations of this, independent. All right? Our brother Brian Wee said something about it. Then Roy's like, oh, yeah, I feel really strongly about it. And then Susie's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And she said something about it. And I, and I was like, man, y'all are ruining my message. Yeah, yeah, I'm not supposed to surprise people with this. But, you know, hallelujah. It was exactly the message God has put on our hearts. Because God's calling. And it was a confirmation for me. Thank you, brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. Um, God's calling our church to gear up for evangelism this year. Because he is calling us, the whole church, to let down your nets. Amen? So let us begin knocking on the doors for the gospel to be preached. God, open up the doors. So that your gospel can be preached. We've got to start praying that way. That's how God identifies whom he's going to use. And as these doors open, we've got to share Christ. We've got to be ready with the gospel presentation. Okay, we've got to share. We've got to have our testimonies ready. We've got to be ready to let down our nets. What Jesus said, let down your nets. And Peter said, I can't find mine. Okay, that would be really sad. Jesus, but I let down your shoe. <laughs> I let down some. No, that'll be sad. We gotta be ready, brothers and sisters. We gotta knock on these doors so that the gospel can be preached. And some people are sitting there like, I don't want those doors to open. I'd rather not. I'm comfortable where I am, thank you. You know, brothers and sisters, this past week I was blessed uh, when our brother Brian Wee he shared about how he evangelized to one of the guys he tutors and that he led that friend to Christ. I think it was one of his first times experiencing that. And God did that through Brian to tell us that he's going to open up more doors so we can let down our nets in 2009. You see, 
I want to see GACM grow. But I don't want it to just see it grow as a result of people changing churches. That doesn't add anything to God's kingdom. But I want to see GACM grow as people are converted to Christ. Gentiles who did not grow up in the church. People who are so suffering and broken and oppressed. They get that message of hope. Tell me, man, those are the most refreshing people to work with too. Hallelujah. Not that, you know, people grew up in the church. I don't allow y'all grew up in the church. Y'all ain't refreshing either. Hallelujah. Y'all can be refreshing now and then. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm one of them. Hallelujah. I'm playing lower and higher. Let me stick with the message. Hallelujah. Now, yeah, our brother Brian, man, he told me that story. And I was preparing this message. God said, that's, that's why I had him share that in your car. That's why he didn't bring his car that day. Usually he has his own car. Got in my car, started telling me all this, you know, this, this, like, this story. And I was like, all right, all right, young, tell me, tell me. And it was a good story, hallelujah. And then later on, God was like, I, I've had Brian tell you that story. Because that's exactly what I'm going to do with the whole church. The people will knock on the doors and step out in faith. If they will let down their nets, I will bring in a mighty harvest. A harvest that they won't even be able to contain. Hallelujah. Now, as a farmer has the joy of reaping the harvest, you know, there's something amazing about leading somebody to Christ. And I've never done drugs, but I bet leading somebody to Christ feels better. <laughs> I bet you. I mean, it is the ultimate. It's the no high like the most high. Hallelujah. Now, as a CCC staff, you know, I've been blessed to lead many people to Christ. I've had this experience of leading somebody to Christ many, many times. Now, of course, this is also accompanied with being rejected many, many times. But my most recent experience of leading somebody to Christ, and you know, it's been a while, but it was last year, was with an exchange student from the Netherlands named Evelyn. Now, Evelyn was a special blessing to me because I saw her go from an antagonistic atheist to a broken, tear-filled Christian after just three months of prayer. Just met up with her for lunch a few times, explained the gospel to her, just kept praying over her, along with other brothers and sisters at, at my campus ministry. Just kept praying into her. And man, when I led her to Christ, I sat here right here in the sanctuary after service. The power of God, sometimes it's powerful here, starts converting people. And after service, she started wanting to know, and she just kept crying. She, she said, I don't know why I keep crying. Well, that's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's the presence of our God. He's touching you with his love. It's a a love that you haven't felt like this before. And your heart's responding to it. And and she's like, all right, well, what do I do? And so I led her to the Lord, and and she couldn't stop crying. Even after she got saved, now she was just smiling and crying. (laughs) She's like, wow, it's so powerful. There's something powerful. I I feel the power. I feel something. Her heart was just so welled up. With the life of God. Brothers and sisters. I want. I want you all to experience that more and more. I want this church. To let down their nets. Hallelujah. Jesus said. The harvest. Is plentiful. Jesus said the harvest. Is plentiful. And just like them fish. In Peter's boat. Jesus is telling us the harvest is plentiful. And that statement has never rang more true 
than in our generation. You know, prophets are now talking about a billion soul harvest. Billion soul harvest. Now, I believe that the harvest that our generation is responsible for will be so large that we will need to send more and more missions teams in the future. We're going to need to send missionaries in, in, in the future because the nets of the teams that we send out won't be able to contain them. Like our, our, our church, our team, our, just for example, our church's teams won't be able to, our, our nets are going to break. We're going to go there and we're going to come back sad because we're like, man, we couldn't bring in the harvest. Our nets just broke. There's just too many fish. And hallelujah, as that happens, we're going to require the help of other partners. Just like Peter brought in partners, we're going to have to partner with other churches. And hallelujah, as, as we do that, even then, the harvest will be so large. That, that, I mean, hallelujah. There's going to be so much, so much more. It's going to be overflowing. And brothers and sisters, just as we read here in verse 9, Right? The Bible says, he and all who were with him were astonished. When people see the harvest that our generation will bring in, hallelujah. And I, I'm being inclusive, by the way, of everybody who is living right now. We are of this generation. And there are different roles that I think the older generation plays and the younger generation and the middle generation. Hallelujah. By the way, I'm of the younger generation, if you didn't know. <laughs> 79 was a cutoff. I made it. Just that people were astonished at the catch of fish. For instance, all over the world, this is what spirit-filled ministries are experiencing. Thousands and thousands are coming to Christ in crusades and conferences all over the world. Just little tent meetings. With, you know, you ever, I saw videos of Reinhard Bonnke's meetings, you know. He just made like a, he made a stage in the middle of Africa, like in the middle of a field. Just made a stage with wood. And then put up like little like light bulb lamps. And then the video footage supposedly showed a million people. Okay, I don't know if that was accurate. But it looked like a million. There was a lot of people. A lot of people. These makeshift setups. And Ryan Arbonke is just bringing thousands, tens and hundreds of thousands even. Hallelujah. Because he's just letting down his nets. Because the time, the harvest is plentiful. You know, there was a time in Korea where this happened. You know, in the 70s. There was an explosion of conversions. Campus Crusade got to be a part of that. Explo 74, those who know history. Right, I mean, over a million people gathered uh, in Seoul. In a big plaza area. I don't know where, that, where, where it was. But they had, like, I don't know how many. I think it was 100,000 over 100,000 decisions of cards. Something like that. All right. I'm a bad campus crusade staff. I can't remember details. But it was a big number. But in that same decade, you had full gospel church continually adding to their church. All right. And so you just had a huge harvest in Korea in the 70s. My sisters, but that harvest for some reason has been held up. Our young people aren't responding to Christ right now in Korea. But you know what? God's readying. He's raising up people to bring in that harvest. And it's going to be incredible. It's going to be, it's going to be unprecedented. It's going to blow away anything we saw in the 70s. Hallelujah. And as Christians, you know, some of us may have tried evangelizing. And we've been part of evangelism events and courses. But perhaps 
we feel like Peter, we've toiled all night and we've caught nothing. And the temptation is to do nothing. But that's exactly what Satan wants. He wants you to think that nobody out there wants the gospel. Because on the surface, if you just go out a few times, I know this because I went out a lot of times. But you go out the first few times, it just seems like nobody wants Christ. I remember every week I had to go out and evangelize at UC Irvine during my staff training. And I had to evangelize to at least like 10 people a day I was there. I went like twice a week. Man, it's the most tiring thing, getting rejected left and right. Actually, in California, they're really nice. They go through the whole presentation with you, and then they reject you. No, thank you. In New York, they just be like, man, get out of my face. Would you, do you have five minutes? Man, get out of my face. Hallelujah. But anyway. But if you, if you just go out a few times, you're going to feel like nobody wants Christ. But Satan, Satan wants you to believe that. And God's going to test you through that. And Satan uses news media and newspapers to convince us that people don't need Christ. That people don't want Christ. But that is a lie, brothers and sisters. Satan is a liar. Let's call that out. That is a lie. Yeah, there's plenty of people that don't want Christ. But trust me, there's plenty of people that do want Christ. There are people that are screaming out who are living in oppression and bondage and poverty and disease and and sexual slavery and, and child prostitution. They're hungry for justice and righteousness. People who aren't even Christians that are trying to help people like that. They're hungry for justice and righteousness. They're hungry for love and faithfulness in a world of betrayal and broken promises. And when they get presented with Christ, they call upon his name. Because the Bible says his foundation will be established in justice and righteousness. And love and faithfulness will go before him. Brothers and sisters, people, they want Christ. But we got to go out and let down our nets. We got to go and find the fish. Perhaps we tried and we haven't seen the nets filled. Maybe we've seen a few come in, but not really filled like Peter experienced. Brothers and sisters, the answer is, once again, not to give up. Look at verse 3. Look at verse 3 of our chapter here. Verse 3 says, Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat. If you don't see any results from evangelism, you got to return to Jesus and listen to his teaching. We got to return. In evangelism, you see, you need lots and lots of faith. And faith comes from hearing the word of God. And a lot of the church is missing Jesus' teaching on the Holy Spirit, on healing the sick. On casting out demons. We need to return to Jesus' teachings. Return to his teachings. If you haven't seen the nets filled, that's because you need to return to Jesus' teaching. That's why I believe hallelujah was so pivotal that the scriptures put that in for us. These are the living words. Sat down, he taught them, and then he told Peter, let down your nets. Hallelujah. And there's something else interesting to note. Look at verse 4. It says, Jesus said, put out into the deep and let down your nets. You know, sometimes we aren't seeing results because we are letting down our nets by the shore. The answer is to go deeper.
If one area has run out of fish, we got to go to deeper waters. We got to go deeper in our workplace, deeper in our families, deeper in our cities, deeper onto the missions field. Because Jesus said, put out into the deep. Hallelujah. Now, Satan tells us, hey, stay in the shallow waters. Wait, I bet you them fish will jump on the boat. That's a lie. Saying you're a liar. It's a bad lie. I don't understand why people believe it, but it's a bad lie still. It's a lie. That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make no sense. No fisherman gets on his boat, puts his boat in the shallow end, and then waits for fish to jump onto his boat. That's not fishing. It is not fishing, brothers and sisters. That's foolishness. But that's how the church does evangelism these days. We polish up our boats. We clean our nets. We make everything look nice, but there ain't no fishes jumping on the boat. We stay nicely safe, docked on the shore, on the shallow end, afraid to go into the deep. And we get all upset. Lord, why aren't you using us? Why are we not seeing the nets filled? And Jesus is like, look, go back to my text. Put out into the deep. Stop being chicken. Step out in faith. Be courageous. Go and make disciples. Hallelujah. So hallelujah. Who's ready to go to Itaewon today? Uh, yeah, I caught all y'all. Y'all, oh, yeah, we don't want to do that. Okay, don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll have times where we could do it together. And after that, hopefully naturally, you guys will even do it on your own or in your small groups. Hallelujah. Small group idea, leaders. But hallelujah. I mean, I mean, it makes me uncomfortable too. But hallelujah. I mean, we got to do it. We got to let down our nets. Hallelujah. And when I saw with Evelyn, man, that was so refreshing. Because when I do when I did evangelism campus crusade, I'm very dry, you know, very in the intellect. You know, very hard to see results. But man, with Evelyn, man, I, it was so easy. Well, it wasn't easy, but like, you know, we had a lot of prayer and stuff. But man, God was really faithful. And the Spirit of God was so all over her. She, just tell me what to do. I want to just tell me what to do. And I was like, all right, here, here you got to do it. I, didn't even, I remember the sinner's prayer. I just like, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I thank you, I thank you. Uh, amen, amen. All right, you're saved now, sister. Hallelujah. Hey, by the way, you don't got to be legalistic with that sinner's prayer. You know, it's the faith behind that prayer that's important. A person may never even say a sinner's prayer. As long as they put their faith in Christ and start following him. Hallelujah. They're, they are saved by grace through faith. Now, on the day of Pentecost, brothers and sisters, the promise of the Holy Spirit was poured out on 120 disciples. Right? And they were all filled with the Spirit and they spoke in tongues. And then when they went outside, people began to mock them for being drunk. And it is at that moment, it's interesting, Peter remembered. I bet you Peter remembered the words of Jesus on the boat this day. All this crazy commotion going on. And he heard the words of Jesus. Peter, let down your nets. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, he got up and he preached his first gospel message. And the Bible says 3,000 souls were saved that day. Brothers and sisters, 
God's pouring out his spirit at this church. But it's not just so that we can just experience more intimacy or we can just operate in signs and wonders and spiritual gifts. But God's pouring out his church and he's clothing us with power so that we can be his witnesses. God's pouring out his church with increasing measure because he's calling us to be fishers of men. Brothers and sisters, let us do what Peter did at Pentecost. And when we see the Spirit of God come upon this church with increasing power, let's remember the words of Jesus. Let down your nets. Oh, hallelujah. Because the harvest is plentiful. Hallelujah. Let's pray, let's pray. Lord Father, I just thank you, God, for God. We thank you that God, you uh, you don't just uh, command us to go. You don't just command us to go into the deep and preach the gospel, God. But God, you you equip us and you clothe us with power from on high. You give us spiritual gifts so that we can discern the works of the enemy and destroy and dislodge the strongholds of Satan. God, you equip us in every way and in everything so that we can be bold and effective witnesses for you. So God, may the church of God heed your word and let down our nets. And God, Lord, as we let down our nets in our workplace, in our families, and on the streets, on the missions field, we will see, oh God, Lord, the nets being filled with so many fish that, God, Lord, our nets will begin to break. And there will be so, the harvest will be so plentiful, we're going to have to partner with other churches. And even then, oh God, Lord, there will be such an abundant harvest, oh God, Lord, because you are the Lord of the harvest. You are the Lord of the harvest. So God, raise up, raise up workers for the harvest field, oh God, Lord. Help us to overcome our fear of man. Help us to overcome our complacencies, oh God, Lord. Fill us with your spirit, oh God, Lord, new. And send us out, Lord, that we may glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.